Have you ever wondered what's inside the mind of a world-class winner? Someone who's just good at everything they do, whether that's the sport they play, whether that's the business they're in, whether that's just in their relationships. They just know how to get things done and they see things in a way to get a result done. We're going to talk about that on this episode of The Success Code. Let's bring it in. Welcome to The Success Code where Roy Red provides interviews, discussions, strategies, and talks to help broaden your perspective on your road to cracking the success code. Success code. Success code. Success code. Hi, everybody. It's Roy Red, five-time best-selling author, public speaker, and your host of this show, where we give you positive talks, systems, and strategies on how to crack your success code. I'm super excited today. I always told you guys, I said, when I get... My platform bigger and I'm able to bring some value to other people. I will bring on some really dope people. And today I got a friend of mine, brother of mine, winner, uh, someone who's been the best at what he's done since junior high. Uh, y'all, a lot of y'all are going to know him as soon as I bring him in. Gary Franklin. Gary, what's up, brother? What's up, man? Pleasure. How you doing, here. man? I can't complain. Okay. Someone, somebody's speaking. Someone's already asking you questions in another language. I don't even, I don't even know what's going on there. How you holding up during COVID, man? Doing well. Uh-huh. Taking this time to kind of, you know, just reflect on a lot of things, especially when we got into the part where we're quarantining a lot. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a people's person, man. I like being out, seeing, touching, feeling people. You know, yeah. just being able to to interact and yeah. not having that time. It was difficult for a little bit, but then yeah. it was. It was um, a time for me to basically plan a lot of the things that, I was doing. Uh-huh. and so uh, it was. It was great downtime, like just right in the nick of time, actually. For the people who don't know you, just kind of give your quick background about you being a world class class athlete, uh, what you're doing now, things you've done, and uh, uh, just tell the people about yourself. Oh man, well, I mean, I've been playing basketball. Off football since I was like five years old uh-huh. uh, then went into playing at a uh, modern day high school uh, then went on to play at, at Cal Berkeley and then Baylor where I was able to compete for a national championship um, mm-hmm. in IT and then uh, elite eight appearance uh, we lost to AD and, and that Kentucky team which was really good oh, and then uh, a couple of sweet 16 appearances but uh, overall Doing that and then being able to go and play overseas was a was a, a pretty dope journey and experience. And now um, I'm doing a lot of different things. I mean, I still sing, songwrite. Um, I still uh, I'm, I'm creating and designing clothes, um, not only for myself but um, another company. Uh-huh. I've been helping with some marketing for an app that's going to come out between a guy that you and I know really well, Casey, um, Sports Source. And then um, also been helping uh, LeVar, who's been a family friend. And I didn't even, I mean, I didn't even know this, but my dad and him have history. They've known each other, I think, since they were 18. Mm-hmm. And so uh, just as of late, uh, he's, brought, he's brought me on to give a little, you know, millennial perspective on things. Yeah. And to try and try and rebuild the brand uh, to some extent. Mm-hmm. So you'll be able to see me, I think, on uh, Ball in the Family this, this season. Awesome. So uh, tune in on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we're going to get into all that. I want to touch on a couple things. Let's, let's touch on AD real quick, being an NBA champion now and 
to hear the narrative like like Bronze brought him up. I don't think AD gets the credit that he truly believes. How was it playing against him uh, in college, and like how unstoppable was he really? Man, he was he was different. He was a different breed. Um, just being being that long and, and being gifted, you know, yeah. with that height and that length, and then also having the growth spurt. Like you know, there's a lot of in 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 sports at least. There's a lot of tall guys, right? But yeah, they've been tall all their life. Mm-hmm. He had a growth spurt, and so he has the guard. I mean, the mindset of a guard, and then growing into a, a big. It's almost it's a blessing in disguise for him to be a late bloomer uh, uh-huh. to get a Kentucky offer, and then playing against him was was pretty tough. I, I wish that during that year we had Isaiah Austin on our team, but he was a year later. Um, so I wanted to see that matchup, but it, I mean, it never happened. Yeah. Um... You know, I remember, you know, I, I played a little bit back in the day, never on your level. But I remember one time, you know, I try to explain to people how good pros and D1 players like really are. Like, I don't think they really understand. And um, I remember one time I was watching your watching you on social media on social media and you shot like 83 percent out of like 250 shots on the on the gun. And after you were done, you were like, yo, my shot is, like, bad right now. I need to get my shot back. I'm like, bro, you just shot, like, 80%. I remember one time I was guarding you, you know, just messing around at a friend of our, Ty Lambos. Tyler Lamb, I'm going to have him on the show soon. Uh, we're playing at his birthday function on the outside court. And, you know, I'm, I'm a confident dude. I started talking. And then you probably hit, like, six threes in my face and went for six for six. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, yeah, you're too short. I'm going to just shoot over you. I'm like, bro, we're on a double rim outside court. So just touch on, one, your work ethic and how you're able to ever learn how to shoot or do anything that good. And just touch on the work ethic uh, of these players that people really don't understand. Man, well, first and foremost, I'm going I'm to touch on one of the easier things, which is you see a lot in the comments where, mm-hmm. you know, players – or I'm sorry, fans or – naysayers are going at these professional or college athletes and it's like you have no idea what it takes yeah um, i i feel like i could have played in the nba i didn't get the opportunity to but still to this day you'll never hear me um just trash talking another player i may joke around and be like man you got he has to do this or that but for the most part all of those guys have my respect from the first guy on the bench to the 15th guy on the bench yeah because uh, it's not easy to get there and it's not easy to stay there a yeah. lot of my friends who who have been there who didn't stay who are really, really talented, there's a reason why why they didn't. And whether it's being a good guy in the locker room or, or work ethic or whatever or whatever it may be, it's more than what meets the eye. Yeah. And because they make it look easier because somebody like LeBron or, or Kobe, rest in peace, made it look easy, it's not as easy as what people think. At all. And then as far as myself, um, man, I actually, a lot of people didn't even know this. I mean, an article came out, I think, in the LA Times when I was in high school, but I actually had an injury when I was 13 yep. and I was told I'll never play sports ever again. And being that I was playing on a high profile travel team that was coached by my dad, sponsored by Nike, I've always had to be, I've always had to work two times harder than everybody else because he, he never, nor did I ever want it to seem like he was, you know, giving any handouts. Yeah. So I've had to work my, my tail off and even having an injury where you're told you'll never play again and, and, you know, playing basically with one hand, um, man, I had to work really, really hard. I became obsessive. Like, if I tell you some of the things, like, 
after practice, I would play one-on-one with Jeremy Tyler, who I'm sure the basketball community knows. And it went from him, you know, blocking my jump shots, you know, blocking my layups, yeah. to him not being able to do that anymore. And I and I used to I used to actually embrace how hard it was playing against him. And then eventually it was, you know, I became unguardable for him, which is not, you know, it's not too big of an accomplishment because when you're a guard playing against a big, you're supposed to be able to beat him. But even uh, things like I wouldn't allow myself to leave the gym without making, you know, 10 to 20 threes as a, as an eighth grader in a row, all net. If it hit rim, I, I started over. If it didn't make the sound that I wanted it to make, I was over, bro. I, like, no, no BS. I became obsessed, obsessed with my shot. Up until a point where in high school, um, our shooting coach came over to me at, at modern day, and he's like, you know, you know, on the season, you're shooting 75% from the three-point line. I'm like, which is which is crazy. I mean, shooting 43, 45% is crazy. So 75%, you Thanks. know, throughout throughout a duration of a season. And and we were like almost to the playoffs. So um I realized that, you know what, I was I was taking maybe three or four threes a game on average, mm-hmm. missing maybe one shot from three, and then and then uh in other games where I would fall off, there the games that I made eight out of ten three pointers kind of helped yeah. my average. But yeah. for the most part, like I remember being really, really locked in to where like I, I didn't I didn't miss. And I pray a lot of tribute to that with my dad, you know, treat, uh, teach me how to shoot. But also to my injury was a blessing in disguise because a lot of people when they shoot their offhand, you know, throws off their shot. I yeah. technically didn't have an offhand. Uh-huh. And so, you know, I was shooting a one handed shot a lot, even in being in my cast. I remember I was shooting from half court in a cast and I would go like nine for ten, nine for 20. And you know, people be like, damn, like, man, you're like strong, but it's just, again, repetitive hab- habits. And then uh, just being obsessive, honestly, like to the point where I look back, I'm like, man, I was, I was kind of crazy. Yeah. yeah. So obs- obsession, obviously you got to be obsessed with something and able to take it to that level. Um, really quick, I want to touch on I know you said you felt like you could have played in the league. I can guarantee that because there's players that um, went to the league and had good careers and got big money, good contracts that that play with you and, you know, friends of ours. And um, I just want to ask you, uh, back in the day when you were at Cal and you went to Baylor, if you could bring that back, would you have stayed at Cal? Because I know Cal was super boring. And I remember I used to tell you before you went, I was like, yo, you'll be so bored at Cal. Man, but I know it's more than just that. <laughs> and my girlfriend at the time was like, stop telling them that. We want them to come to Cal. To Cal. I was like, yo, don't go to Cal, bro. Yeah. Nah, I mean, honestly, if I could do it all over again, I probably would have stayed at Cal. What, mm-hmm. what happened with that situation, in short, is I've been ranked as, as high as like fifth in the country before then 10th and then you know throughout throughout the years rankings to me never really meant anything i always wanted to have a bullseye on someone else's back and go after them i remember with cal supreme um whether it's myself t lamb shamburger kiala mm-hmm. uh Cobbs, we we would f- like argue over like yo who's who's gonna guard the guy that is supposed to be the guy because you know west coast guys we don't get love like the east coast does it's where all the writers are so I've never been one who, uh, who's been in the rankings. And the one time that I like got caught up in that was when I got to Cal, mm-hmm. my boy Justin transferred from Minnesota, 
And man, the whole time, bro, I'm, I'm just, I'm grinding, you know, trying to also enjoying the process, but I'm grinding because I, I have no idea what college is about to be like. I do to an extent because I watch, I study basketball, mm-hmm. but I don't. So like, I remember working out like an hour before the game and the coach is coming over like, yo, relax. Like, you know, <laughs> it's a, it's a, and I'm, I'm like, nah, like I'm, I'm hyped. I'm about really, to go off. <laughs> yeah. But as a freshman, you have no idea. Uh-huh. And so, you know, my first game, I, I played well, I had 17 points, but I remember Justin coming in and, and showing me like, yo, bro, you're on draft boards. And I think I was like, so that was in 2010. Yeah. So I was projected two and done. And I remember oh. it like it was yesterday. It was like first round to the, to the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, damn. And so it didn't, if anything, or one of the good things about that is that it, it pushed me to work harder because I'm like, yo, I, I can be out of here in two years and, you know, be playing my dreams of playing in the NBA. Mm-hmm. But what it also did was bring a little bit more. I, I applied more pressure on myself to do it right away. Yeah. And so, long story short, um, I wasn't too pre- too hard pressed on <clears throat> even starting, even though I was starting playing mm-hmm. starter minutes, even though I was playing starter minutes. My whole thing became wanting to win first. That's 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 always been my mindset. I'm gonna do whatever it takes to win. So initially, when I got recruited by Cal, they were like, hey. We're gonna let you come in and play like Jerome Randall. Jerome Randall, I got a lot of love and respect for. Yeah. And I'm like, yo, if I can go and try and fill his shoes, man, that'll that'll be dope. But also realize that Jerome Randall was more of a scorer's mentality than more scores mentality than I am. And so I'm like, you know what? If I had a ball in my hands, I'm gonna get guys off and then I'll be able to score. But what happened was the first few weeks of practice, bro, I kid you not, I was missing like maybe one shot a week. We would do drills where we're running plays, and they're like, yo, this dude can't miss, right? Yeah. And then, and then Allen, you, we already know, we love Allen, right? AC. Allen, yeah, AC, we, he wasn't being as, as aggressive as he should have been. Yeah. So they're like, all right, G Frank, man, we just need to get him the ball so he can score. Yeah. I've never played solely off the ball, ever. But again, I'm a, I'm a winner, so I'm going to, I'm going to adjust. Yeah. So, you know, we're playing and, um, Jorge, who I who I loved playing with, uh, yeah. loved playing against him in practice because he played hard. Um, he was also too the coaches being loyal to him was like, hey, we want to put you in a situation where you could play in the NBA mm-hmm. because Jorge's NBA he did make it to the NBA his his NBA position would be point guard. Yeah, so they wanted to give him an opportunity. I'm like, cool. Unfortunately, because just like quarterbacks, you can't. You can't become a point guard. You're you're born with those instincts. Yeah. And I remember there are certain games where both Allen and I were walking away frustrated. And it was mainly because, you know, as receivers, if this is football, yeah. we weren't getting the ball we weren't getting the ball um in rhythm. Uh I remember times, you know, I was getting the ball behind the NBA three with like five, six seconds left and kind of having to make a play. Yeah. Shooting percentage is bad. I'm I'm not really figuring out when to be aggressive, when not to be aggressive, because now I'm totally off the ball. When all my life I played more like Michael Vick, like yo, he he throw some touchdowns and also run some touchdowns. Yeah, I've been always I've always been able to pick and choose my spots, which which is why certain coaches that even recruited me, they're like, yo, what position do you play? Like you scored yeah. thirty, and then in the next game you had like ten assists in 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 twelve points. Yeah, and I think it's because of the time we were in. Like mm-hmm. if if Kyrie and Steph Curry, Kyrie's our same grade, but if Steph Curry was Steph Curry when I was coming out of high school, 
It would have been my, yeah, my, my, uh, my tour to the NBA would have been much better because then they would see like, okay, you can score from this position. Yeah. So with that being said, I remember, um, just because we weren't playing well as a team, I went to the coach and I'm like, Hey coach, you know, do you mind if I play more on the ball? This yeah. had nothing to do with, you know, contrary, con- contrary to what, you know, came out. Yeah. This had nothing to do with me wanting to even play in the NBA at that point. I wanted to win. So yeah. I'm like, you know, coach, man, Allen's not happy. I'm not happy. Mm-hmm. You know, some other guys, uh, you know, I would like to play the point and bear the responsibility of getting guys involved. Don't worry about me scoring. I'll, I'll pick and choose my spots. Yeah. And he was like, well, he brought up Jorge. He's like, well, you know, I want, I want to give him a chance to get playing the NBA. And I'm mm-hmm. like, yo, that's okay. I get it. I said, but coach, I want to play in the NBA too someday. Yeah. He's like, well, you know, he printed out these things. He showed me guys that are 6'2", 6'3". Mm-hmm. You got to basically be the top one, two, between the top three, six, two, six, three players in the country. Mm-hmm. So in short, he basically is telling me, uh, your chances of playing in the NBA aren't that high. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't, I don't understand or speak no or lose. <laughs> that, or that's, why like that. that's why you are who you are. I, yeah. Bro, appreciate it. So, so he instantly became com- competition for me. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, like, and, and, and how I know he, he felt that is because when I walked out, I didn't even, I didn't get to call my dad. I didn't get to call the coach, um, one coach Godley who recruited me. I got yeah. a call from um, Travis Decor, and he's like, uh, man, did that meeting go okay? And I'm like, nah. And he was like, man, coach just came in here and said, I think I effed that one up. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you, you did. Or, I'm sorry. Yeah, he did. And he's like, well, you know what's going on? I'm like, man, I, I want to play on the ball. But then it became more about playing for someone who didn't believe in me. Yeah. Like, I, I played I play for Coach McKnight. And once I, like, told him what was going on with my injury, like, bro, I literally – and people don't believe it because of how, um, how successful I was. But, bro, yeah. I was literally – Tyler can probably tell you. I literally was playing with one hand. Yeah. So with Coach McKnight saying, ah, no, I'm still going to give you the keys to the car, run my team, and, and make us go in. Bro, yeah. I was, my record in high school is 98-5 and five in three years. So mm-hmm. all I know how to do is win, especially when someone believes in me. I'm a, I'm a natural-born uh, play, uh, players – or I'm sorry, coach's player. Yeah. Like, you know, if you, tell me, if you tell me that we're going to win, if I go and stand over in the corner on my head, I'll go do it. Yeah. Like I want to win. I want to run through a wall for a coach. As soon as you show a little bit of not like not believing in me or not having faith in me, mm-hmm. um, you become now my competition and I want to prove you wrong. And so um, that went, you know, that was a big part of why I decided, like, I don't know if I could even play mm-hmm. for this coach, but also at the same time, I was still kind of being recruited. I mean, it's yeah. illegal, but I was being recruited and yeah. got away with it because my dad runs California Supreme, so we had to write letters to different front to different four different coaches. So like, you know, I don't I don't wanna not that they would get in trouble now, but they it was a it was like maybe five or six schools that knew I, I probably wanted to transfer. Yeah. So they were recruiting me. Some schools were recruiting me while I was at Cal, having some success some success because they knew I was playing out of position. Yeah. And so those schools, we had to write a letter for us, send it to the NCA and be like, no, you know, they were recruiting guys in my dad's program, not necessarily me, because his phone was, you know, receiving calls. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's 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 how that went. However, yeah. if I could do it all over again, I would have sat down and, and maybe 
hurt. Uh, I wouldn't say hurt him out because we did hear him out, but I, maybe just talk to him a little more and let him understand, like, yo, yeah. you know, you telling me I don't have time for someone. I don't have time to try to run through a wall for somebody who doesn't believe in me. And I think with that conversation, because I love Coach Montgomery still to this day, we had a conversation. Ironically, we ended up Baylor and Cal playing at uh we didn't play against each other, but we played at the Chaminade, or I'm sorry, the Maui Invitational. Yeah. So we were able to we were able to talk, laugh. I, I think he's a great coach. I think he's a great guy. Yeah. Um, I was again, I was young, thinking like, yo, I just want to play hard for somebody who who believes in me, and that's you know, mm-hmm. Baylor. The coaches there believed in me, so. You know that's so huge. I have this argument with people who don't play sports. I'm like, there's people that are not in the league who are way better than people that you watch and you think are the best in the world, but they just didn't have a coach to give them the opportunity or they didn't have a coach to believe in them. Like there's so many different variables that people really don't understand. And I try to explain to people. And that's part of the reason why I'm so motivated in doing what I do, working with the athletes mentally. And um, one thing I noticed is that don't matter how confident I make an athlete, if he doesn't get the opportunity to play, Man. Then he, he can't play. And so that's why I put persuasion techniques like in my book that I'm dropping and in my courses I do for athletes. I literally put persuasion stuff in there so they can manipulations a negative word, but influence their coach. And I teach them how to yeah. get in their coach's head so that they can get the opportunity to at least play. And you always want to go somewhere where you're welcomed and uh, you can, you know, do your thing because. There's so many people who are just not in the right position and or maybe someone didn't believe in them. And, um, you know, even Jalen Rose talks about it, how Larry Brown tried to get him out the league. And, but and but he was able to get away. But someone with that much power can really derail and change up everything and in a hot second. And, you know, it hurt my feelings in my basketball uh, world growing up because I had coaches like that, too. And it's. I'm the same way. You be you become my competition once you don't believe in yeah. me. No, absolutely. I mean, I bro, the doctor who told me I never play again. This is how this how obsessed. Uh, real quick before before you go into that. All right, all right. I obviously I'm biased because he's my dad, but we call my dad Yoda. He's like the best trainer For like sure. out there. <laughs> like I'll, I'll back that. I'll back it's that. crazy. But he used to tell me like you know my dad would sit with me and tell me stuff. And one day, him and Ron and me were having a conversation, and my dad just goes, you know how dad, my dad is. Man, man, before Gary hurt his arm, man, they said he was the best player to ever come out of California. They said he was a bad dude. And Ron, yeah, he basically killing these dudes with one arm. And I was like, and I never got to see you play uh, before that. I saw you play after the injury, and I'm like, Yo this, yo, this dude is cold, and you were dogging people. And so the injury was a crazy thing. You still figured out how to be better than everyone, even with an arm and a half. Yeah, bro. I, man, I mean, that that honestly, mm-hmm. it changed my life. And, you know, a lot of people a lot of people would, would, would say, like, man, he could have played. And really, bro, I was way better in football than I was even in basketball. So Perfect. really, my dream, my dream was to go to SC. Because mm-hmm. um, their basketball program is never—I mean, it, it was strong at one point, but it was—it's not a storied program mm-hmm. basketball-wise, right? So my dream was to go and play football at at SC, and then play, walk on and play basketball, and then choose by my junior year what I wanted to do—play in the NBA or, or play in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But 
before yeah before my injury bro i was in john wall's class and i was a top top i think top 15 recruit all right i, I wouldn't call well i guess we are getting recruited in middle uh-huh. school but like you know i was top 15 in that class and then i had my injury which a lot again bro like people still like it's it's dudes that i played with that don't know how bad it was bro like even at baylor taking showers i i would feel part of my arm that i haven't felt in years Mm -hmm. like i really had to really had to figure it out but going back to like being so obsessive with with being good enough to continue to play um the doctor her name is dr nancy naparco i'll never forget her name um she went to michigan state that's where she got her degree Uh so i was hoping that we played michigan state and i went off and then you know shouted her out like yo you said i'll never play ever again and i just beat y'all my mother <laughs> hopefully in the tournament like I, I, bro, I used to dream about that mm-hmm. um you know i interviewed um i forget her name now uh olympian um who went to modern day and she knew you uh she runs for italy um gia gia, gia yeah yeah okay. i love gia I didn't even know y'all knew each other. Uh, we met through a mutual friend, and like it's, bro, it's crazy how modern day literally gets all the best athletes to ever live. Um, uh, real quick, uh, a bunch of people jumped on. Thank you guys for hopping on. We're getting in t- inside of the mind of a world class winner. We're talking to my boy Gary Franklin. Jump on the right side into chat. Ask Gary questions, comments. That's on the right side if you're on fi- on YouTube. That'll be underneath if you're on Facebook. If you're on Periscope or LinkedIn, we don't even know where you guys comment. It's somewhere on there, we don't even go on those platforms. We just, <laughs> we just, uh, we just go live on those platforms. But uh, I asked a couple questions I want to ask you, so we'll kind of lead into those. Um, Kawhi, you guys went undefeated, and then came up to his team, and they got y'all. How was it playing him back then? And did you know he was going to be this good back then? So the first time I've ever seen Kawhi play, I think was in Arizona, the Cactus Classic. Uh-huh. He was playing on a team with Ronaldo, Sidney, and like a bunch of other like good dudes. So he was like maybe the fourth, fifth guy off the bench. Oh, wow. But one of the things I noticed about him, and this is why I uh, – I think this is what helped me be as good as I, as I was, is that I had res- like I had respect for the guys I was playing. It doesn't mean I was, like, you know, cowering to them, but I, Mm -hmm. on any given night, knew, like, you know, somebody could bust your ass, so I had to, like, bring it. Yeah, yeah. I remember Kawhi being 6'4 and lanky and picking up five, six guards full court. And I'm sure other dudes are like, oh, this dude is hustling, this is that. I'm like, bro, you know how unorthodox that is? (laughs) Yeah. To pick up a five, six dude in high school when guys are a blur, being 6'4, 6'5, lanky, picking up, and then... Also, he was a guy that I saw develop every single year. The game that they beat us wasn't even his best game. I have, I literally have it still on film. Wow. We played them in another tournament, and he he went off. He was he was yeah. balling. I will say this: that had Andy Brown not gotten hurt, we would have we would have won that game. But you know, you got to give credit where credit is due. Kawhi dominated, you know, on the boards. And he just he kind of imposed his will on the game without even scoring a lot. Yeah. And you got Tony Snell who came through, um, some other mm-hmm. players who who contributed and played well. That was a hard loss for us. Um, mm-hmm. 
mainly because we were undefeated. We're the number one team in the country. I was and, hot. Like, I was on the bro, team. I was heated, bro. I was, man, me and Bryson were, like, literally sad. Like, <laughs> we were hot, bro. Bro, we, man, I mean, and, it, and it's it's a lot of things behind the scenes that, that went on, too, in, in, in that game where, you know, Tyler and I kind of looked at each other and was like, yo, like we got this. We went into halftime kind of comfortable, but you know, we we were we were instructed to make sure to get the ball into the twins, make sure they get their touches. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I felt like glove should have just came off. We should have just gotten, we should have just done what it took to win instead of worrying so much about how we win. Let's just get the dub. Yeah, and um, we, we just came up short. Yeah, and I think because of that, I think you guys' team was, I mean, you guys were known as being one of the best high school teams ever, but, bro, uh, you guys and the Upland 01 team, there's only a few teams where I was like, yo, that team was stacked, and people sleep on Tyler still, which I can't wait to interview him and talk about some of this stuff, but um, I got a chance to guard Kiala a couple times, and there's only been a few dudes where it's like, I'm standing in front of him, and I'm like, I have absolutely no chance and stand in front of this dude. I just hope he doesn't know it. And Kiala was one of them. His yo-yo at his size was ridiculous. Special, bro. Special. Um, All right, let's move forward into the future. Um, Talk about kind of your passion and working with uh, younger athletes. I know you got to work with uh, uh, Shaq's son. You got to work with all the top athletes. Kind of talk about your passion and what you do with that because – um, that's always been probably the coolest thing you do because you don't just help their game, but you're just adult person to to model after after because you're so disciplined. Um, you are very mature with your emotions, how you deal with with everything, especially one of the big parts of the woman that these kids have to deal with. They have to know how to be in integrity with women and how to watch out for themselves. But um um. Talk about that real quick, working with the with the kids and building up young men. Yeah. No, man, I mean, that's something that I take very serious and very, you know, to my heart because, you know, you talk about, like you said, building up young men. I, I've had a great example of what it's like to be a man through my father. Um, you know, most of us, you and I are blessed in that regard. You know, yeah. most, most black men don't have the opportunity to have their fathers around. So that yeah. was a... A perfect example for me to have and he also quickly became one of my best friends so I also knew what it meant to not only be a mentor and someone the kids look up to but someone from a, a lateral standpoint where you can see eye to eye and talk about certain things because I what I didn't want coming back and helping the coach um, even when I was at uh, Baylor and I would come back during the summer and help guys coach or help the program coach um, is I, I didn't want them to think like, oh, you know, he's he's talking down to me because yeah. he's doing this. I always wanted them to feel like they, you know, were were a part in, in an equal to some extent. Yeah. Um, obviously, I, I enforced in them like, yo, there's hard work to get here. Yeah. But for me, bro, surprisingly enough, as much as it was mentoring kids, it was also um, pretty eye opening for me to realize that I also was mentoring fathers in this to an extent yeah and i say that because not that i'm a father not yet um Mm -hmm. but i know what it's like to potentially create a pro and then lose a son yeah and that happens a lot 
and even I'm sure some daughters that happens a lot and there's these fathers who would be so hard on these kids and I'm like dude you remind me of me and my dad before the injury yeah because as, as good as people knew that I was before my injury um man our, my, my dad's and I relationship was very much Jake Shuttlesworth Jesus Shuttlesworth yeah like <laughs> I, I you know I didn't I didn't think that he liked me yeah um you know, I would avoid him at dinner sometimes. I, I wouldn't eat because I didn't want him to talk to me about the game. Like it was, you know, it was tough until I had my injury where it then became more, and I'm going to use another Denzel reference, love Denzel, uh, more of a John Q type of relationship. When I got my injury, driving from hospital to hospital to figure out what's going on with my arm. Yeah. And that's more so what I tried to instill in the, the fathers and the kids. Like, look, man, the most important thing is not making it to the NBA. Yeah. It's not it's it's not even uh making money playing basketball. It's becoming, you know, dope men who are going to help push forward society. I felt that I didn't make it to the NBA for that very reason and I'll 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 turn down making it to the NBA every day to be able to give back what I felt I've been able to give back and yeah. also have the relationship I have with my dad. So yeah. I'm reminding kids like, yeah, man, hard work, have fun, but at the same time it's about being a good person because you know, my, my not making it, me not making it to the NBA, there's a ton of doors open because of the way I moved off the court yeah. and, and the way I conducted myself on the court. I mean, some people didn't like me because I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to win. Yeah. But for the most part, uh, you know, I, I think people love and respect who I am because I love and respect who people are off the rip. Mm -hmm. And so really that's, that's what it is. It's, it's just helping kids to be, you know, better, better people. And really that's what, that's what allows you to win. Yeah. In life. You know, I also want to talk about your discipline, your sobriety. Um, I'm, I don't drink. I don't smoke. But I've I've had alcohol before and I've smoked, I think, one time. It's just they're just not for me. But you're one of them dudes like a Floyd Mayweather who's never touched neither. Never even. Nope. And what what it's truly hard it's to me it's not hard not to do it yeah. but it's hard to be around people everyone who's doing it and still not judge be in it be loving and just be like no nah, i'm good like yeah. just knowing how to move um i remember it used to be tough like when i'm like i don't drink and people be like you don't drink uh? but then i learned to say something simple like not right now to where they think you drink but you you really don't well you just say not right now let later and then they'll just leave you alone but um where did that discipline come from that sobriety is it just who you are or did you where'd that come from well i mean there's there's multiple levels the first level is mm -hmm. again being a competitor yeah. i never thought that it was conducive to being the best athlete ever to yeah. put you know alcohol and, and drugs into your body yeah so there's that um second just being logical, the pros do not outweigh the cons when it comes to drinking and smoking. Facts. Um, and so there's that. And then also, too, I always felt that God would give me a certain platform. And with that platform, obviously, I, I think I'll be able to reach out to kids and be able to appeal to kids. And we have so many dope people that do use drugs and alcohol, Snoop Dogg being one of them. I think he's awesome. Yeah. He, you know, but he, he's, he's, the, he's the, the godfather of weed. Yeah. Kids need at least, you know, one to two to three, maybe 10 people across the board who are in a spotlight or who have a certain platform 
to say, hey, he, he doesn't do it. So I kind of have a choice not to do it because if you don't have those people, then you think in order to become, mm-hmm. I have to do X, Y, and Z. And that's just, obviously it's not true. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That's dope. All right, let's talk about um, music career. Have you been in the studio and um, your music's dope. I don't, a lot of people don't know about your music and how dope, how creative you are from the music to the, to your clothing brand. Are you still in the studio? And then talk about Flight and your clothing brand and uh, how you got into uh, doing clothing as well. Okay. All right. So I'll start off with music. Yeah. So when I was like seven years old, this is a funny story. When I was seven years old, my grandmother had this white bass, right? Uh-huh. And I remember uh, Sweet Lady came out by Tyrese. And I would, I would sing the chorus and that like all around the house. And I like I knew I sounded good, mm-hmm. but then when it broke, I just thought like, oh, I, I can't sing anymore. So I didn't sing anymore. Yeah. Um, not until like I got to middle school and like you know Usher's Confessions dropped mm-hmm. and then Pretty Ricky dropped, and I remember singing to girls. I had no idea what I was singing to girls, but I was singing to them. Pretty Ricky, I'm like lit, bro. Man, that summer, Ricky, that summer was yeah. so lit. <laughs> it was crazy. It was crazy, and I and and so I'm like, okay, I gained some confidence, but then. Yeah. It came all about basketball and sports and whatnot. So I never really got into it until mm-hmm. I, you know, to acquire modern day. Yeah. And then I remember um, my senior year, I, uh, I kind of shocked everybody by doing like a little solo singing act for our, like going away rally. Uh-huh. And Tyler was sitting right next to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember getting up and starting to sing. And all I hear him say is this MF. Like, <laughs> I, I know it took everything in me not to laugh but i like saying uh say goodbye my boys to men but the, the mm-hmm. audience and then onto the floor and kind of sang my solo and everybody was like man that was really dope we didn't know you could sing yada 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 so i started to do that and then again still all about basketball i'm trying to make it to the nba mm-hmm. over the summers i would come back and get in the studio with uh, my uncle, his name, or, you know, it's kind of like my uncle, but uh, Big Tank, uh, Derek uh-huh. Thornton. Oh, okay. Who, uh, yeah, does does music. His son went to Duke, mm-hmm. and then he went to uh, SC, and then uh, where, uh, he ended up at uh, Boston College. Yeah. He he took me under his wing uh, as far as music goes. I would come in, he would allow me to write for certain artists or, or be able to sit in on certain things to kind of mm-hmm. learn music. Um, I remember I came back one summer and also – uh, recorded in my boy's living room. I came out a song. I put it out quietly on SoundCloud. People liked it mm-hmm. and uh, had, a, had a lot of dope feedback. But it's been hard in LA when you tell people, first of all, being an athlete, when you tell people, yo, I do music, I can sing and write. They put you in a box. Yeah, they're like, yeah. nah, you ain't, man. So then we'll <laughs> go. And then they'll hear me sing and hear me, or see me write or, or hear me write. And they're like, yo, so to the point which I mean I'm cool I'm I I, I take it as a as a uh, a stamp of like I'm I'm pretty decent at at doing it to where they start to believe they can do it so now my boy who can who can produce are like oh well let me get on the mic too and it's like mm-hmm. bro like I want to I'm trying to be an artist right now like uh-huh. you want to you want to do both but this is you know it's kind of my session and I'm paying for it yeah and so and then you so you run into that and then you run into you know, people who are saying like, oh, yeah, I do this, but then they don't. And, you know, being an athlete, we got that work ethic to where if I'm if I meet someone tomorrow or I go out tonight and I meet someone and they're like, yo, I really love music. I want to get into music like I, I want to, you know, I produce. 
I'd be like, "Oh, you produce? Like, bro, I'll, I'll pull up. Like, what? Like, let's 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 get to work. Work, yeah." I realized, like, I'll even outwork people in the studio, and it gets to the point where it's like they they're not really about that life. So I have to find, and I think I have, which is why I'll be putting out some music hopefully at the end of this year. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to find people with your same work ethic. Oh my gosh, that's so hard, bro. Yeah, bro. So, um, so that's that's where music stands for me. Like I'm 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 writing, I'm I'm helping produce. Um, I want to come out with my own music, hopefully by the end of the year, beginning of next year. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, as far as my clothing brand goes, I've always um, at modern day all we could wear is shoes because we all wear uniforms. Yeah. Even with our uniforms, I would put a twist to it to where it's like oh that is dress code or it might not be dress code <laughs> or, or i'll come in a in a dope cardigan and and you know people are like, oh man that looks dope but it looks so dope that it's out of uniform yeah and i've so i've always had a uh an eye for, for for um for designs and like you know just putting stuff together yeah. and then when you didn't have a lot i didn't have a lot growing up yeah. you have to piece together different piece outfits out. yeah you know how it is so there's that, and then I remember I transferred to Texas, to Baylor. Being from California, we already know our swag is different, right? Yeah. So I get to Baylor. Did they love it or did they hate on it? Let me, let me. <laughs> so I get to Baylor, and the dudes are like, "Man, gee, like, man, you overdressing, like, bro, like, why you wearing that? This, this, and that." But we get to the club or get out, and the girls are feeling it. So eventually, it became. Yo, G, why you wearing this to everybody getting dressed in my room and like, yo, G, how does this look? <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, okay. And I've and I've never liked looking like anyone else. So I've so mm-hmm. I thought, you know what? I'm gonna try and design my own clothing brand. Mm-hmm. But with a clothing brand, everybody's coming out of the clothing brand, right? So you have to have like a, a message or a purpose behind it. And you know, me being uh, I consider myself to be a feminist because I I really believe that women are, are way more exceptional than we give them credit for. I wanted to create a brand that not only is a not only allow me to, you know, uh, put my art in the form of clothing into the world, but also create something for women using my male privilege. And so, um, basically, my you know my brand is called Flight. It's an acronym for Freely Live Your Golden Hearted Truth. Um, with that, I, I'll basically want to find the dopest women, you know, from head to toe, inside out. Yeah. Uh, it's possible to be brand ambassadors mm-hmm. and then eventually give them a platform to be the CEOs or whatever it is of their lane mm-hmm. um, without having to succumb to the pressures in the entertainment industry where, you know, you're hearing these, you know, stories of women yeah. having to, you know, loosen up their morals in order to elevate themselves. I want, you know, at the end of the day, I want to be able to walk away and obviously continue to get a percentage of it, yeah. but have it every high high-paid and high-level job, I want it to be ran by women. And then, of course, I believe in nepotism. So, you know, my little daughter or my nieces or whoever the, the case may be that's my family, they'll always have somewhere to go without having to deal with, you know, our, our toxic masculinity at times. And so um, I definitely want to create that and continue to, um, you know, cultivate dope, um, just dope friendships and relationships. I, I was in a group text full of like 13, like maybe 13 women. We would check in every now and then. How's everybody doing? You know, just to keep that rapport for when things pop, because eventually I want to turn it into a TV show, um, which I've already LLC is called The House of Flight. Yeah. Basically have these, these women under one under uh-huh. one roof 
um, and, and just competing, not for men, not throwing drinks on each other because they slept with the same dude or mm-hmm. someone else's baby mom or whatever the case may mm-hmm. be, but competing intellectually yeah. on, you know, the new drop that we're going to do. Then they'll get a percentage if they win plus a cash prize. Like, you know, things like that, I think that'll show women in a different light mm-hmm. and in a light that I've always seen them, which is more than, than what they can give or offer sexually or physically. That's dope, man. That's dope. We had a few questions. Uh, these are questions in another language because I have a big Indian audience, so I'm not even going to try those. Casey said, Gary, how do you define success, Gary? Young Casey Trujeke. My guy. Uh, <laughs> how do I define success? Honestly, I think success is, it's, 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 what, it's honestly really what you make it. Yeah, I think um, for everybody, success can mean something different. But for me, uh, man, I, I, I because I'm I'm obsessed with winning, I take waking up and being able to get out of the bed as a win. Yeah, I take being able to make my bed up as a win. So far, I'm already having a successful day. Um, being able to have time to sit and pray um, is is a success is a win for me. So I, I'm succeeding throughout the day. Um, I think we have to really uh appreciate the little wins that we have yeah so that when adversity comes we realize like okay you know what i didn't get that job today but look at all the other stuff i did today and there's no such thing as losing i really don't believe in losing at all um you only lose if you don't learn right so you know when things come and and things are hard it's almost for me again this is the obsession in me Mm -hmm. it's like when difficulty comes i'm like oh this is a this is a another chance to like really just rock it up out of here, right? Yeah. So success to me, honestly, success is mentality. It's mentality. Ooh. It is, bro. That might be the that might be the dopest answer we've had on the show. Word. It, it really is, bro. Uh-huh. Like, I feel that because I'm the same way. Like when things are going really really well, I'm like nah. Like I like that struggle. Like. With Corona hitting and with stuff going bad, I'm like, yeah, because I feel like I've been training for this my whole life. It's like, finally, I have a situation and an opportunity to show people what I'm about and to show them I'm really about this life that I've been that I've been training for. Yeah, you know what I mean. All right, so let's do some uh, some quick hot shot questions. What's your favorite book? Man, my favorite book. Bro, I, I'm 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 a terrible favorite guy because it just depends on the moment. Uh-huh. But uh, I really I think I really enjoyed The Alchemist. The Alchemist, yeah, one of my favorites too, man. You got to follow your legend. Um, uh, a quote you live by. A uh, quote I live by. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Honestly, because I'm and I'm and I'm I'm gonna get this tatted. Yeah, because I'm a creator the first words of the best creator to ever exist is let there be light. And so that's really, that's my favorite quote because every room that I walk into, every conversation I, I have, I want to be that light and anything that I create, I want to be that light. So that's, yeah. that's really the quote I live by. Yeah. And he, and he looked at it and it was good. There you go. Um, so that might've gave me the answer to this. Would you rather be loved or respected? Can you have one without the other? I read a quote the other day because I've always been just because of 
for lack of better terms, some trauma and some stuff. I always said I wanted respect more than love. Uh, but I read a quote the other day. It said that respect fills the space where love should have been. And when I read that, I was like, oh, God. And it was so powerful. It it, it woke me up from from uh, the 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 BS I was I was in, you know. I think I think the better question is liked then because I, I, I can't see love without respect. Yeah. Because even when you're talking mess, like if you and I play one-on-one and yeah. we're talking mess to each other, I wouldn't talk mess to you if I didn't respect you. So Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? Like people can take that as like, oh man, like, well, well, well does he love you? Nah, I, I do love you. I, I would only talk to you that way because I do love you. But mm-hmm. I don't know, man. It, it's, 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 it's tough. I, I honestly... I can't see love and respect not being synonymous. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's dope. That's dope. Are you are you talking to anyone right now? You're in a relationship? Nah, man. I, I, <laughs> Yo, I, ladies, I, this is the dude. The dude y'all be talking about that y'all swear y'all want. This is him. I am not lying. <laughs> bro, they don't want. They don't. They man. Anyway, this is uh, the man. The no, nah, I'm I'm not, bro. I honestly, I try mm-hmm. to heal as best as possible because men we have we have the ability to bring back bring in baggage that we don't even know we have yeah right girls badge girls baggage is usually obvious it's like oh yeah this dude cheated on me so she has trust issues we don't even know for the most part i've always gone on like i've always gone on a four-year hiatus from a relationship and not even purposely it just kind of i take my time because really at at our best we can men we could we could be way better than we are to women yeah. and i just don't want to be that guy that's like you know hurting girls based off of what you know what i've gone through and so yeah. this is the fourth year so i'm pretty sure it may it, it will probably happen but uh yeah I, i'm single I, i'm I, I have girls that i'm going out on dates with and talking to yeah. and whatnot I, i'm i date i think the correct way yeah I, i'll be at a date with a girl and she'll be like oh man we should do this again let's hang out friday i actually have a date friday um, but we can hang out Sunday. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, most people be like, oh, well, wait, wait. Like, That's you authentic. Like authentic. Yeah. Yeah. No, I do like you. But, you know, let me see what else I like. So when I make my decision, I'm not having a roaming eye. Yeah. But. That's a different, that's a different conversation. You know, I've been I've been the same way after my last relationship. But um, it's funny. So the coaching people through their traumas and I, I can do that on another level. I just know the mind really well. But I actually taught it to Casey and so how you said men bring baggage that they don't know they have as a coach you need a coach still even though I know this stuff you can't see yourself so one day we're kind of having this conversation like holding hands in public and I was like yo holding hands in public is corny and Casey looks at me and goes why won't you hold hands in public Roy why won't you hold hands in public and I'm like, bro, it's just corny to me. And what we do is we put a concept on something yes. to get away from what really is bothering us. And so right. he was like, he was like, he was like, how do you feel? And this is what I do to people and athletes. So in case he yeah. just picked it up, Casey, great. Y- y'all both, y'all both do that. So it's funny that you, yeah. <laughs> he was like, how do you feel when you um, hold hands in public? And I was like, I feel like I'm trying to. Um, show that this is my girl I'm holding on too tough and I need to just let her do her thing and he's like okay okay well what do you how do you think other people look at you 
long story short, we got he got down to it, and I in public and on socials, and I'm really uh, I don't put it out there what I'm doing or who I'm talking to because I was cheated, because I was cheated on, okay. and what really hurt me wasn't that I was cheated on; it was that people saw that I got cheated on. And so, if they don't even know I'm talking to her, if she cheat on me, then you safe. I'm safe. Okay, bro, that was so wild. Casey like figured that out. He was like, "Yeah, see, look at you." <laughs> yeah, that's why, like honestly, that's why I love Casey. But but also mm-hmm. too, men, we don't have those conversations enough. Yeah, where like that's that's very vulnerable of you to admit not only here but to Casey. Like, damn, mm-hmm. this is this is why we don't do that mm-hmm. enough as men. It's looked at as weak or soft, mm-hmm. but it's like, bro, like how, like how hard do you want to be? If you're trying mm-hmm. to be with a woman, bro, you have to be able to, like, mm-hmm. you know, submit to to, to your feelings. Like, yeah. that's the only way she'll really, really get to know you, and the only way you'll really get to know you. That's facts, and it and it wasn't even that I didn't mind being vulnerable. It was literally unconscious, like you said. I literally shoved it so far down that I couldn't even see it. I wasn't faking it. I literally couldn't see it. You know? Right. Uh, real right. quick, before we go, we are almost done. I'm going to have you plug yourself and everything. Talk about real quick, uh, you're coming up on uh, Ball and the Family, the show, working with LeVar. Um, I know we have an outside look on the fam, but I know Vic, who cuts uh, Lonzo's hair, and also know Tony, who's in the group. Yo, those are all dope, really amazing people. Right. And I make sure I support not just black business, but I support them for treading, trailblazing trails that people won't do. So just talk about how dope has been working with them and uh, and uh, what we should look out for. Yeah, no, it's been a really amazing experience. Um, one, because I had no idea until LeVar. And it's mainly because mm-hmm. my dad is a lot like me, man. Like, you know, very laid back. Yeah. And I'm looking at my dad while LeVar is telling me these stories. I'm like, dang, I had no idea that you were kind of helping give him advice on certain things in regards to like, you know, Nike and Adidas and, mm-hmm. you know, um, the whole shoe game situation. And he's like, yeah, man, you know, I've been on your dad since he was 18, man. He was one of the toughest guys I've ever played against. Mm-hmm. We used to battle and this, this and that. And I'm like, whoa, like, oh man, that's cool. And then having conversations with LeVar very off the cuff, man, he's a, he's a really great dude. Yeah. Um, he's a, he's a father first and a husband as well and he man seeing him with tina like i'm a i'm a i'm I'm a simp i'm a lovey-dovey dude man i love seeing lavar and tina's interaction like they you can tell man that's that's that love was like written in stone and then um having conversations with lavar where i'm like man okay this dude is actually he's way he's way softer in a good way than people (laughs) give him credit for i was having a conversation with him and I was like, man, you know, big, you know, big baller, like, you know, I get that you really want to hold on to your boys. Mm-hmm. But the analogy I gave him, I'm like, you know, if I if I gave you sugar in your hand and I say, yo, don't spill it. I'm putting sugar in your hand. Don't spill yeah. it. You you the way you are loving your boys right now, you're mm-hmm. squeezing them and, and the sugar is seeping out. Mm-hmm. You can still hold them, but you got to cuff them cuff. and not put so much pressure on them or you'll eventually yeah. lose them. Yeah. And he was like, man, he's like, man, you, man, you, you, you right. And the fact that he would listen, you know, to me, yeah. this is our, this is our third, when I say third time meeting, I mean, sitting down and having a conversation. Yeah. It's our third time sitting down and having a conversation and we're driving in his car and he's like, 
man, like, you know, that really, that really resonated with me and really hit home with me. Yeah. And so you'll see, uh, we're, we're still maturing no matter what age we get, hopefully. Yeah. Um, you're seeing, you'll see a maturation throughout the pro throughout the, the show. Well, mm -hmm. Lavar is of course, cause he's business wise, one, his boys, you mm -hmm. know, to, to be around and they're still a part of triple B no matter what. It's just mm -hmm. like, you know, your dad having his own company, you having your own company, that's still your pops. Yeah. So they're still part of the brand, still support the brand. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, they're 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 being able to be men right now. They're coming into their own, which yeah. eventually I feel like they will they business wise, they they got they got some things up their sleeves. So I know it's gonna be yeah. dope. So I would just say look forward to you know, seeing everything that mm -hmm. that, you know, people were talking about both positive and negative kind of come come to light. Yeah. Um and and really just not believing so much of every all the noise you're hearing. Thank you. Um and just understanding that this is a dude who went out. He didn't play. Man, my dad, childhood friend. He didn't play with. They didn't play with Cal Supreme. Came yeah. to a couple of camps, but they didn't play with Cal Supreme. That would have been very easy for them to do. Yeah. On a spotlight service, and he was like, "No, nah, I want to do it my way." He did it <laughs> his way. He got three boys who are in the NBA as far as the the construct of it. As far as uh, like Jello's not in the NBA, but he's mm -hmm. on. He's he's on an NBA G League team. They sleep. They sleep on him too. By the way, they're sleeping on him. Yeah, he's yeah. he's healthy, and I think eventually, man, he's gonna he's gonna have his his opportunity to play in the NBA. So mm -hmm. uh, definitely look forward to that, and look forward to just the the maturation also of of the brand, you know, yeah. the clothing line, and you know, street urban side to it, which I'm gonna be helping with, and so uh, looking forward to that, man. And I know everybody will enjoy it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I'm definitely on support. And then also the flight brand as well. Um, so tell everywhere, everybody, I got your uh, IG right underneath you. They can see you. Tell them where to find you, what you're doing. And um, if there's anything that you want to add or that I should have asked, just go ahead and plug that as well. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, you can find me at the at below. Um, you also can follow my Instagram, uh, Flight Clothing flight underscore clothing um on there you'll see you know posts in support of, of women but also some dope looks um mm -hmm. looking to drop some new merch um next year going to relaunch the brand mm -hmm. and then uh from there i know you and i haven't talked about this but i've also been in the script writing and i make it into acting so um, okay. i've been doing a lot of a lot of work on that side okay uh, i'm currently working on a deal right now to try and you know make something happen for for a um, platform either on netflix or hulu or hbo Okay. And I can't talk too much about it, but uh -huh. like we are super close, man. I accept. Yeah. I'll 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 take any role. I accept. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah, man. Oh, that's dope, man. That's dope. Yo, again, thank you for giving me your time. We went a little bit over, but that's fine. Um I appreciate you, man. And um thank you guys, everybody who are tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show as much as we enjoyed creating it for you. Gary, real quick. I want to last question real quick. Who's better? Who's better at basketball in their prime? Guards? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm just, I'm gonna just ask it like this. Right. Who's, who's the best player to ever play basketball? To ever play basketball? To, who's the best player in ba to play basketball? Uh, who, who's the goat? Goat for real? For real? Man, to ever play basketball? Kobe's my goat. Thank you. Thank you. At the, the end, you don't need to explain anything else. <laughs> Thank you. 
You don't need to explain anything else, God. Go ahead, bro. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> is Brown better than Jordan? Jordan is a better scorer. Brown is a better overall. Brown is is probably the best overall basketball to touch basketball player to touch a basketball. Gary, if there was no zone defense with Brown on the court, oh my god! It, uh, people don't talk about that, bro. <laughs> he would no, have people, would have fifty and fifteen. People don't talk about a lot. How about not being drafted into a major market where you can't recruit other players? Nobody in their prime. I mean, I would have gone. Yeah, for sure. I actually tried to get Tyrone Lue because he came and saw me work out, and he's like, uh-huh. oh, "You will miss." Saw him at another. Uh, I think it was a LeBron James Skills Academy, and I'm like, "You know why y'all didn't win last year? They just lost to uh, the Warriors." And he was like, "Why?" I was like, "Y'all didn't have me." We started laughing, talking about. It. He's like, "Yo," I'm like, "No, no, I'm, I'm for real." Like, <laughs> I would have been yeah. hitting all those I shots. Said, yeah, I said, "Ask Kyrie," because Kyrie, Kyrie knows me. I'm like, "Ask Kyrie." He, he'll, he'll put in the word. He's like, "No, I know you can score." He's like, "Man, honestly," he said, "Nobody knows this, but Mo Williams is, is coming on board." So, you oh. know, if he wasn't coming, I really would put the word in. And uh-huh. you know, but. And and going to Miami, they say, oh, he went to Miami to learn from D-Way. No, he learned to go to a big market. Then when he got that clout to where he can bring guys to his small market, he went back to Cleveland and guys followed yeah. Also, too, let's, let's, let's keep it very funky. With the, the Lakers and Chicago, they didn't have the same roster either. So they had the same jerseys on, but they had different teams, Kobe and, and Mike. That's true. So. Who who had the same exact roster winning multiple championships? Not I don't I don't know a program. That's a good point, bro. That's a good point. So Kobe Bryant's the best to ever play. Thank you, man. Thank you for coming. Uh, thank you for coming on. I appreciate you. Yo, loving on y'all. Thanks for joining us. Till next time. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you like. Make sure you share. Make sure you follow and look out for Gary on all platforms. Till next time. Thanks, Brody. Yep. Appreciate you having me, bro.